Welcome to Reinventing Professionals, a podcast hosted by industry analyst Ari Kaplan, which shares ideas, guidance, and perspectives from market leaders shaping the next generation of legal and professional services. This is Ari Kaplan, and I'm speaking today with Teju Deshpande and Mark Ross, who are principals with Deloitte Legal Business Services. Teju, Mark, how are you? I'm doing just fine, Ari. Thank you for having us today. Really, really nice to chat to you again. We're doing great, Ari. Thanks for having us. It is great to speak with you both. So, Teju, tell us about your background and your new role with Deloitte. I am a technologist by background or by trade, but I accidentally fell into the legal services world almost two decades ago as we launched a, an alternative legal services provider called Minecrest. And I've been involved with a number of technology-enabled initiatives since then. And my focus over the last 15 years has been contract lifecycle management in various capacities, whether it's contract review and analytics, whether it's implementing technology or even doing consulting on the front end to help clients select the right platforms and get ready for contract lifecycle management implementations. And at Deloitte, I'm part of a new group called Legal Business Services. And Mark will absolutely tell you a little bit more about the mission of the group, but I'm hoping to help assist with law department transformation and technology selections. Mark, tell us about your background and the mission of Deloitte Legal Business Services. I'm incredibly fortunate, Ari. I've had two careers. My first and much shorter career was actually as a practicing attorney in the UK for almost a decade. And I was fortunate back in 2003 to, frankly, before any of the acronyms really existed, whether it's LPO, LSO, ALSP, LMS, before any of those acronyms really existed, I was involved in the establishment of a low-cost delivery center for the law firm that I was practicing at that was uh, in South Africa that I helped set up a center out there and then had the good fortune of meeting and marrying a wonderful California girl and ended up arriving in the States really as the legal process outsourcing industry was being born. I've been incredibly fortunate enough to have a front row seat as that roller coaster ride of legal innovation has picked up pace. I spent 10 years with a boutique alternative legal services provider and joined Deloitte at the end of January 2020, about six weeks prior to. COVID lockdowns commencing, which was an incredibly interesting time to join a a new organization. But I was employee number one, joining as a principal to drive the legal business services practice with a particular laser focus on the area of contract lifecycle management. Tiju, you are also a veteran of the legal technology space. What does all of the recent M&A activity indicate about the sector? Not only is there a lot of acquisitions in this space, but there's a ton of investment. And if you look at just the last couple of years, off the 40 or 50 significant investments, whether it's in companies 
that are hoping to transform matter management e-billing processes within within law departments. Almost 12 or 13 have been in what I would call enterprise applications that focus primarily on contract lifecycle management. So I'm going to spend a little bit of time focused in on contract management because I know that space a little bit better. If I think about sort of the growth and consolidation in this space, there are sort of three trends that stand out. One is that people are and clients are looking for end-to-end capabilities. Initially, it used to be that you could have point solutions that dealt with generation of contracts or generation of draft documents. You had another set of tools that helped with markup and redlining. There are other tools that help with extraction. What we're seeing in this space in the investment is that fewer players are going to be able to provide end-to-end contract lifecycle management. The second trend that we're seeing is there's AI everywhere. And AI means different things to different people. So you could have extraction AI and natural language processing, which is the most prevalent. We also are seeing a lot of AI capabilities around redlining and marking up documents, which is in many cases called negotiate AI or redlining AI, if you will. And then the third is around what you would call robotic process automation that is being applied to legal. And so there's deep analytics. It's sort of taking over bots to help you become more efficient and and support legal operations as the profession has grown. So these are sort of the three trends that I'm seeing, but there's a lot more that we will see in this space, particularly around how larger companies consolidate around AI-enabled services and newer platforms that will take into account significant gaps that still exist, whether it's around languages around the world and being able to address, being able to address gaps within AI, summarization is one, addressing tables and things like that, and then making sure that the right integrations with other systems are as seamless as some of the applications that we've seen. So whether it's Salesforce or Workday or SAP or Oracle, we will see a lot more seamless integration, I think. But with that, I'll turn it over to Mark to get his views because he has seen it from a different lens as well. Teju, very comprehensive. If I'm going to opine on the topic, let me go back, Ari, to your original comment about what does the recent M&A activity indicate? And there has been a wealth of both M&A activity, and I would extend that question, Ari, to include just the wealth of private equity investment in the legal technology space with CLM clearly being the hottest ticket in town unequivocally. We've seen enterprise platform providers such as Cooper enter the CLM space with the acquisition of Exari. We've seen DocuSign's well-publicized procurement of both Spring CM and Seal software. We've most recently seen Litera and their acquisition of Kira, the AI contract analytics provider. What is all of this activity indicating? Now, I think it is indicating that, number one, the legal technology sector is up, it's running, it's healthy, 
There's tremendous value for investors in that space. It also largely confirms that it is a sector more broadly that has not attracted a tremendous amount of technology investment and focus. So the starting point for legal in many ways, the bar was set lower. And now that we have COVID acting as a catalyst, and we can talk a little bit about that as well, if that's of interest to your listeners, the bar is set low in legal, but we've had this tremendous catalytic event, and that has spurred innovation. It spurred investment in no hotter area than CLM. And I see the pace of that just continuing to pick up. Some of the interesting observations and trends would be, are we going to increasingly see consolidation in the space? Will we see a move from CLM legal point solutions to a more enterprise-driven technology approach? Will we see continuing investment by the enterprise technology platforms into the legal point solutions? Or will we truly see legal point solutions reaching the, not the $1 billion valuation mark, but a billion dollars in revenue? That's a question that I don't know the answer to, but one that I'm incredibly interested in seeing how that plays out, Ari. Mark, you referenced this issue. How has the pandemic impacted interest in CLM? Well, you can't overstate the impact. You truly cannot overstate the impact. COVID has been a tremendous catalyst for change in multiple areas across the legal profession, but none more so than in contract management. If you think about it this way, Ari, the pandemic triggered a never-before-witnessed, an avalanche of questions about contracts. And by the way, predominantly about executed contracts, but we'll come on to that in a minute. Companies needed to know whether they, whether their customers, whether their suppliers could renege on contractual commitments. Did the crisis even constitute a force majeure event? And did their contracts include such a provision? Suppliers whose demand had plummeted, they needed to examine their own supply chain contracts and their supply chain contractual obligations. What were the implications of early termination? Did the contracts allow for termination for convenience? What are the associated notice provisions? And if termination for convenience wasn't an option, what are the remedies? What are the rights? What are the requirements for otherwise terminating the contractual relationship? So the pandemic triggered all of these questions, all of this long overdue focus on that post-signature executed volume of contracts that exist within every major organization today. Teju, is the impact of CLM limited to corporate legal departments? The biggest gains that all of the recent investments technologies that we've seen has actually benefited 
other departments and other functions within the enterprise that are that are outside of legal. You might have sales and sales operations that have better visibility and using contract workflows have a better understanding of where the contract is and what stage it's in and improve the velocity of deals. On the supplier side, we've seen a lot of benefit, not only in terms of managing vendor relationships better, but having a better handle on obligations that you might want to manage. On the real estate and facility side, we've we've seen the benefit of ensuring that the termination of leases and real estate contracts are handled and and proactively handled, for example. We've seen HR and independent contractor agreements also getting sort of folded in into the contract lifecycle management world. So it's impacted HR, it's impacted sales and marketing, impacted the the supply chain world, if you will. But more importantly, even even M&A transactions, R&D departments and, you know, Everywhere where contracts are written and reviewed and negotiated is sort of where you've seen the benefit. And to Mark's point, during the pandemic, we have seen innovative technologies that have taken place of the being in person and signing. We've seen sort of e-notary services. We've seen contracts inked over phones and Zoom and, and iPad. So there's a lot of change that we're seeing just in terms of the impact that a simple, what you would think of as a legal department or a legal-focused technology has on the rest of the enterprise. Mark, where can companies realize immediate benefits in CLM and also by leveraging AI as part of that effort? In order to answer that, first of all, there needs to be an appreciation of what contracts are. I'll tell you what they're not. They're not exclusively legal documents. Contracts are strategic business assets that happen to contain both legal and commercial terms and conditions. And what organizations today are embracing is a necessity to look at and understand how those contracts are managed with a true appreciation of the power of data and mining that data. So organizations are now thinking beyond the data found within the four corners of the contract itself and focusing on how they can leverage technology to link that data to data contained in financial, in HR, in procurement, in CRM systems. If an organization's customers, for example, a contractually obligated RE to procure a certain volume of widgets, then only by, first of all, being able to quickly and intuitively locate the relevant contractual data, and secondly, analyzing that data, aligning the contractual terms with the actual invoice amounts, data that, keep in mind, resides outside of the four corners of the contract, can you then identify and quantify instances of revenue leakage? So by automatically extracting obligations from a contract, routing tasks and reminders to responsible parties, tracking performance, leveraging the AI functionality in the CLM platforms to push and pull data, 
into enterprise systems, financial systems, CRM systems. Only then can we truly realize the benefits of maximizing that contractual value, getting to speed to execution quicker to procure much needed goods and services faster, and of course, identifying and closing the gap in that lost value in contracts. KG, where do you see CLM headed? There are two areas where I think there will be interesting trends in growth. One is on the product side itself. We're seeing contracts changing themselves, being simplified, or having the ability to automate provisions within contracts. I've seen even in the last decade, the way contracts are written make it easier to automate so that you can route provisions or clauses to different people or to be able to extract metadata in a manner that makes the technology, it makes it easier for the technology to extract information. So contracts themselves are being simplified or written in a way that allows for technology to automate a lot of what gets routed. The second thing that I see is there are a lot more integrations or connectors to different systems of engagement, whether it is ServiceNow or whether it is ticketing systems like Jira, whether it's Salesforce and Oracle and SAP and Coupa on the, on the enterprise scale. We're seeing a lot more seamless connectors where you can connect to the system that you live and work in. We're seeing a lot more interest now with clients not only dealing with Microsoft Office, in Word as an application, but looking at Google Suite. And so how does the CLM interact with, with Google as well as Microsoft Office is sort of an interesting trend. Languages definitely are an important factor. Mainly we've seen contract management systems deal with maybe six or seven languages, but we are seeing now some significant investment in Japanese and Chinese character recognition, which will be an interesting place from a feature standpoint. And of course, AI, as we know today, whether it is extraction AI, whether it's negotiation AI, whether it is robotic process automation will be more integrated and will be an integral part of what I would call an end-to-end contract lifecycle management suite of products. On the services side though, there's lots of exciting changes. Service delivery models, I think are going to change. The way implementations are done are going to change, and the people who are going to offer those are also going to evolve. Deloitte probably is at the forefront of driving some of those changes. As you've probably seen over the last year, we're assembling the largest PLM talent that exists outside of each of these companies' professional services organizations. We are putting to bear the very different skill sets that our our teams have, whether it's contract review and analytics, whether it's technology implementations, whether it's deep subject matter expertise, not only in contracts, but in the various domains, whether it's sales operations, whether it's supply chain, whether it's real estate, whether it's legal, to bring to bear a differentiated service delivery model, which I think is an exciting time to be a part of this space. Teju, I'm going to echo what you just said there about it being an incredibly exciting time and the level of investment Deloitte Legal Business Services and others are putting into this space. I think, Ari, that the output of all of the 
evolutionary change that Teju just regaled there is that there is going to be, I believe, a culmination of our collective efforts. And that culmination is going to be realized in a change of perception. What do I mean by that? Well, I think back to a panel Ari I sat on however many years ago, where a head of legal operations, somewhat tongue-in-cheek, said that the legal department was referred to as the sales prevention department. And while that mustered a few laughs from the audience, that's certainly not the perception that anybody wants to have attached to them in a world where everybody is trying to demonstrate value to the overall business. Rather than the contracting process itself being viewed as a source of frustration, confrontation, delay, both by internal and external stakeholders, I'm starting to see the culmination of our efforts and attention on this space change that perception, driving towards a, some might say, utopian outcome. I would view this as being realistic, given the amount of attention we're putting on CLM, where contracts are contracts themselves are viewed as strategic business assets. And the process itself, Ari, becomes a calling card for the overall business as being demonstrative of collaboration, both internally and externally, and that this drives enhanced relationships for organizations with their internal clients, with external vendors, with partners, and of course, with their customers. Perhaps it's a somewhat naive glasses half full perspective, but I genuinely think that with the team and the talent that we're assembling, Ari, that that is an identifiable and realistic outcome for where CLM is headed in the years to come. This is Ari Kaplan speaking with Teju Deshpande and Mark Ross, principals with Deloitte Legal Business Services. Teju, Mark, thank you very much. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us. Thank you for listening to the Reinventing Professionals podcast. Visit ReinventingProfessionals.com or AriKaplanAdvisors.com to learn more.